Every generation is faced with new challenges and hurdles. The Bible describes that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is known for his consistency throughout all of time, no matter the circumstances. However, today in the 21st century, there are many people who describe themselves as Christians and seemingly just as many teachings that claim they're Christian. As God is the same throughout all of time, should not those of us who follow him hold to the same teachings he has given us in Scripture? Have his people remained consistent as he has since his son has walked the earth? Or are there more challenges today when one wishes to walk with God than there were then? What should a 21st century Christian look like? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Paradigm Switch, where we discuss modern-day problems for modern-day Christians. By sharing our personal triumphs and struggles in our faith walk, we hope to offer encouragement for you to continue yours. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order to be different, we first have to think different. We hope you enjoy the episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Paradigm Switch, where we encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth and heaven's favorite podcasters. I'm one of the co-hosts, Avon, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And we are here to discuss what is a 21st century Christian supposed to look like? And before we get into it, remember, we're on um, we're on all the listening platforms out there, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so subscribe so you can get the immediate notification when we have dropped a new episode and follow us on Facebook and Instagram so you can follow along with our journey. So like I was saying, we are discussing a 21st century Christian. Now to you, what kind of characteristics does a 21st century Christian have? What, what, kind, what are their characteristics? I mean, they should be the same that they have been in a first century Christian. So uh-huh. these are Things like compassion and, and patience and gentleness and uh, kindness, you know, the things that from the, the fruit of the spirits that Paul lists uh, out, and those are all the characteristics that we should be demonstrating as Christians today. When I think of a, like a 21st century Christian, I just think we need to be, yes, we, need, we should be the same as the first century Christian, but we, you know, our characteristics should be enduring. We should be um, independent. It's weird. We should be independently dependent in We'll get into what I mean by that as we go along with this um, discussion. But that'll um, be an interesting discussion yeah. because independently dependent is uh, kind of a paradox. It is, but you know, you'll see. We'll we'll discuss on why that's an important because you have to be independent, but at the same time, you can't be by yourself. And then I think an important aspect that um, a 21st century Christian is that they need to have boldness because we definitely need that in today's society. So That is true. Today, the goal is to discuss the characteristics of a 21st century Christian, specifically how to handle the pressures that come from God's expectations versus people's expectations. So the reason why I want to say that there's a difference between the two is I think, at least my personal belief, is that you know God has his expectations of what his people should be like and how they should represent him, but then people have their own expectations on how Christians should behave. I'm pretty sure you've heard people say a Christian shouldn't act like that. Yeah, I have. And I think you're right. There is, you know, what God's standard of how his people should be held to and what, how they should behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, yeah, the, the people here, even those of us who may be uh, saved, may have uh, ideas that are not quite aligned, whether that is just because you've recently come to the faith and you're not sure, or it can also be, you know, the world has this idea of what a Christian should be and that that is not exactly the same as what God, Scripture tells us a Christian should be. 
So there's a lot there's a lot of confusion I think out there today. Yeah, there is a lot of confusion. So I think the first thing we should really discuss is, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I just wanted to say before we get into answering that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, I found several articles on the Christian Post that kind of give an insight what's going on within our generation, what's going on in our world. And I have found one article that was written in February 2020 that in the U.S. there is a decline in religious affiliation, um, maybe slowing down that people in different generations or like Generation Z, I think that's what you're going over. Yeah, the newest generation. The newest generation that they are declining in associating being um, in affiliation with a religious group, whether that's Christianity or whatever other religion, that there is a decline of wanting to associate with a a topic of faith or with a faith belief um, system. There's this growing terminology. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm not, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Yes, I have heard this. Yeah, so this thing of, yes, I'm spiritual, but yet I'm not tied to a certain doctrine or an alleged way of faith believing. And there was another article I read that discusses how in gener- the Generation Z is the least Christian generation in America history. And it actually is, this was written in January um, 2018, and here we are three years later. I'm pretty sure the statistics have gone up um, a little bit, but it, it's, it's become worse. Yeah, it's become worse. Um, the Barna's research says it discovered that more teens today who are part of the Generation Z, which is born from 1999 to 2015, identify themselves as agnostic atheist or atheists. The study indicates that 35% of Generation Z teens consider themselves to be atheist agnostic and not in any affiliation with a religion. So there is this thought of, I don't want to associate with one faith group or faith affiliation. I mean, is it any wonder that people from countries that have more believers there specifically from places like Africa, send missionaries to the United States after hearing statistics like that? They're sending them here? Oh, yeah. Nigerian churches in particular send missionaries to the United States. So before, America was the one that was sending missionary groups to other countries. So now they're (laughs) returning the favor (laughs) on sending them back here. And it's not just the United States that is, you know, facing this spiritual decline. I would argue that this is happening across the West just in general. Certainly in Europe, it's an even more dire situation, I think than in the United States is where you have a lot of uh, individuals who have believe in secularism and humanism mm-hmm. and, the, and the church has just not, I mean, honestly, historically, I think the church has been in decline in Europe since the Enlightenment. That was in the 1600s and it just has gone gone down. Now that's Enlightenment, um, refresh my history, that's like dealing with education and science. Philosophy and, and science, mm-hmm. people like Hobbes and Rousseau and Voltaire, who's an about atheist, and all of them, and, and pushing, you know, the humanism, the secularism philosophies. Um, now, the United States had the Great Awakening um, back in the 1800s, which is why I think, and also, you know, the Billy Graham movement, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I don't think we're in quite as des- dire straits as Europe is currently today. But certainly, it's not just America that has faced this decline in Christianity. It's just the West in general. Um, and it's do you, not, not would good. you say this decline is coming because of the advancement of technology or like I've spoken before of this new growth in you know, we have a growth in knowledge. You know, if I don't know something, it's easily accessible for me to grow and expand my knowledge. You know, Google's at the palm of my hand of which I can pull up encyclopedias and all this other stuff. Do you think this kind of decline is due to the fact that people are, you know, growing in access to knowledge or what? how do you feel? Or just growth in technology or in science where, you know, 
they can trust in that more than they can trust in God for their healing and deliverance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that might be part of it. Certainly, you know, people have access to the internet and there's all kinds of stuff floating around out there, whether it's true or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But people will believe this. And so that might certainly be a possibility. I think the other part of it is just the culture has become, particularly in, in America, very anti uh I think anti-Christian, anti-religious, maybe just in general, they want to, you know, say that we make what is right ourselves. We determine what is right ourselves, this idea of relative morality, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. more, um, more relativity on this show. And I think that plays a role into it, too. Um, you know, people go through an education system which is removed or tr- is attempting to remove God from it mm-hmm. in pretty much every aspect. And... And, you know, there's, I also think, a cultural or, like, a, a home component of this, too, when, you know, the parents are working and, and not in the spiritual, not being, are participating in the spiritual growth of their children as they should. So, I think all of these factors. Being spiritual lazy. Spiritual laziness, right. And and I think all of this contributes to where we are today. Mm-hmm. And all of it behind the scenes is, of course, the enemy yes. of trying to bring down man one way or another, uh, to not be spiritually connected with God. So those are our guests of why, our guests of why, you know, the spiritual decline. But We'd I'd love th- to hear your view on it in the <laughs> comments section, by the way. Yes, see, I would I'd love to. Agree? What other factors could yeah. be out there? Do you, do you agree or do you see other things in your communities that, that maybe we have missed? Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear about it. But so in this confusion of, you know, chaos that's going on, like you said, in the West or you know, all around the world, I think it's muffled. What is a real Christian? Because like you, I think I like what you said, a relative moral mora- morality, relative, relative morality, morality yeah. that is spreading amongst everyone in the world that, you know, my morals is all based on how I feel and what's relative yep. for me. So what does it mean to even really be a Christian anymore? Because I feel like that has totally been defined since the first apostles received, you know, yeah. started their mission um, on the earth. So what does it mean to be a Christian? I think a Christian is a person who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds like a lot of Christianese. Mm-hmm. So if for anybody who may not believe in Jesus as Son of God in this, who's listening out here, I would break this down into saying that, Jesus, that, a, that a Christian at their core believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for the sins of the world and rose again from the dead physically on the third day, just as he had prophesied he would. And furthermore... I think that a Christian follows the commands Jesus gives in Scripture to the best of his or her ability, including taking part in the Great Commission, which is go out and reach the world and make disciples of all the nations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that a believer is not just somebody who goes to church on Sundays or twice a year on Christmas and Easter. I think uh, a Christian is somebody who has Christ permeate every area of his or her life. It is an active way of life. Like I said, not just an hour of church on Sunday and live how I want every other hour of the week. It is a life that may be some sacrifice required yeah. because you have to give up some of the things that you may want to do because they're not in accordance with the things that God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is not, and I've, I'm just repeating myself, it's not a passive lifestyle. It, it is most certainly an active one, and you know some people don't like that. Yeah, I agree with you, and I would add that through Jesus is the only way to the Father. Yes. Oh, that's, is, in, that's important, There too. is no other way 
to the Father, but through Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. This is Jesus. Nobody comes to the Father but, but through me. me. And you're correct. That is, that is true. Uh, a believer does not uh, think that there's universal ways to going to God. I'm really glad you pointed that out because that is a critical component. That is a very is critical Jesus, component. Jesus is the only way to the Father, mm-hmm. and that is a very important belief. Yeah, and these are not something Alex and I came up with. No. This is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus himself yes. said. So we're just literally echoing what Jesus Christ said. You know, I would put it in words of what does it mean to be a Christian is basically what Alex said is that one who comes to Christ and says, I submit to you as my Lord over my life and what you've done for me and the sacrifice you've done for me, I accept the gift of eternal salvation. And then from this point on, I am your subject in the sense of I submit to your will. And now you are now a citizen of his kingdom of which he rules your life. And you submit to the ways and the teachings and the laws of like his country of his kingdom, that if he tells you to do this, you do this, you submit to it. And like you said, it's a life of sacrifice because we have to kind of fight their flesh and our own self will, but we are doing this because we have submitted to him as Lord and savior. Now, Submission is kind of God's, what I would say is God's expectations on how a Christian should behave. And you and I have just kind of talked about it, that the world has different expectations or different kind of um, requirements or what they think a Christian should look like. So what does a 21st century look like or what is the characteristics of a 21st century? They need to be, Christian is that they need to be knowledgeable. They really need to be knowledgeable about God's word, about what it says on how a believer and follower, because there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of different standards that are out there. And if you are not knowledgeable about what God says on what he wants his subjects or his children to live by, you can totally get swept away. Oh, I agree. I agree. And this is happening. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Jesus warns in Matthew 24 that there are going to be people who come and say, you know, believe this in Jesus's name, but they're liars. Mm-hmm. And it, this is why it's so important, as you said, for us as 21st century Christians to be knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, it's the information age. There's all kinds of stuff on the internet. Again, may not be true, but the Bible's word is true, and it, it's eternal. And that is that should be the source for a believer in everything we ever do. Like any, any kind of idea that somebody says, oh, this is Christian. We need to go into the word of God and, and look at that and for ourselves. It. Yeah, challenge it. We have to say, is this fact? Is this true? And we have to do research. It's a science. It's a, you know what? I, it's amazing that more scientists aren't believers because it's just so great to go into the word and do research like this, I think. But um, I think everybody has got to do that. Every, it, yeah, everyone has to do it because, you know, the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. They are not perishing. You know, I think sometimes there's these um, religious terminologies like perishing. And essentially, sure. people are my God is saying my people are losing <laughs> because of a lack of knowledge. And us as the 21st century Christians, we cannot be stupid out here. No, we cannot be we ignorant. Can't. We, can't. we can't. We have to be active to be knowledgeable of what the Bible says so we don't get swept away of confusion. As we get closer to the end times, it was prof- it's been prophesied that there will be kind of a great falling away due to confusion yep. and deception. Yep. And it's important, that, imperative, that we stay knowledgeable in what the Bible says. And so, as, as, so let's just jump in. What is the world's expectations of a Christian? What do the world? What does the world expect of a Christian? You know, what what do they say a Christian should look like, or how a Christian should behave? I think Christianity traditionally has been perceived as you know people who are loving and people who have forgiveness and grace, people who are not judgmental, 
Um, and I, th I think that's historically how it has gone. I think today, however, as the culture has gone, you know, certain ways, I think that there is a rising belief amongst millennials and Generation Z that Christianity is more associated with, quote, old-fashioned values that are bigoted, and the people who identify themselves with Christ are ignorant at best or hateful and intolerant people at worst. So the Christians kind of have a reputation, from what you're saying, kind of a negative connotation. I think that is a rising view in the United States mm -hmm. um, and possibly also in the West in mm -hmm. general. But certainly it is a rising view in the United States. So when I run into different people who are not Christian and kind of the secular view on what Christianity or what Christians should be like or how their behavior is, I always run into, oh, Christians are loved, should be loving. Christians should be kind. They should be merciful. They should be tolerant, which is a very big word that's going around right now is oh, tolerant. Yes. Tolerant. And yes. so they, you know, they're not judgy. You know, they throw those kind of terminologies on what they expect of a Christian to behave like. And you know what's really funny about it? It's funny to have people who aren't Christians tell me as a Christian how I should behave. I know. It's totally ridiculous. To me, it? that's really funny. It's like me telling a doctor how our doctor is supposed to behave. They didn't go through no training of how it is to be a doctor. They didn't go to medical school. They didn't go through anything like that. But yet they want to tell me, no, you know, they want to tell a doctor, you know, this is how a doctor is supposed to behave. No, you didn't go through the process or you have no education in this field. And so I just find it funny sometimes, you know, just because a person might have heard a scripture or two on TV they feel as though they know. It's an arrogant, elitist mindset, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of runs me the wrong way when I, yeah, you know, when, I run, when I run into people who kind of tell me a Christian is not supposed to behave that way. I'll tell you a story. There was a person one time in school who was picking on me or was kind of bullying me. I stood up to him and kind of bucked, bucked back with the person. <laughs> and I remember people were just like, oh, a Christian should be humble. A Christian shouldn't act that way. You know, your behavior, you know, that was kind of bad behavior. And I'm like... It was okay for that bully to harass me and say all that stuff. But when I defended myself, which isn't against scripture to defend myself a like that, just to say, you know, don't, don't talk about me. Don't come against me like that. I didn't like fight the person physically. I just kind of sure. stood up for Jesus myself. Jesus confronted people all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And so I remember people were telling me that's not how a Christian should behave. But yet these people were of different faiths or were just playing flat out atheists. So it's kind of interesting, but this is kind of the reputation that the world puts on Christians that this is how we should behave or that we're, like you said, bigoted or old fashioned stuff. But if you're a new Christian and you aren't knowledgeable, you can fall into that and thinking, well, I shouldn't judge people because everyone expects for me to not to judge people. I should be you know, tolerant of everything or all kinds of behaviors because everyone says I should be behave that way. But what is God's expectations? You know, what is what does God say in his Bible or in his word on how Christians should behave? And, you know, the first scripture I thought about when I think about this is how should the church or his people behave? I think about first Peter 1 16 and it says, you know, be ye holy for I am holy. So for this scripture, it lets me know that God expects me to act like him. So Christians should be aiming to act like him. We should um, we should never try to bend to fit like other people. Hence the word Christian, which is Christ like. Right. So to me, our focus should be more of trying to be like him. Right. And again, you go, what does it mean to be Christ-like, right? The people will ask that. And, and, and again, I think this can go back and be found in the, in the fruits of the Spirit when Paul writes in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, which, you know, is God within us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What it is not, however, is just letting... Willie do like letting relative moralism run things. 
it's not that. Can you kind of, you, okay, you've mentioned that a couple of times. And what is that relative moral to moralism? So it is defined as a philosophical position in which moral judgments are coming about by people based on what their own particular culture believes. So can you kind of put that in layman's terms? This is like, I know what's good for me. You say you know what's good for you. Your good is not my good. So basically, whatever just, we you're... We don't know what good is. All right, whatever you feel is good is good. Whatever you feel is bad is bad. That's what relative morality is. Well, that's dangerous. It is dangerous. Because there's no set standard. Right. And I don't know why people fight against having a standard. A standard is good because it lets you know your boundaries. It kind of unifies everybody, and it keeps everything in an even flow. If people have their own fluctuation of what they want to do and how things should be, yep. you have chaos. chaos and confusion. Yeah, so Jesus and God have given us scriptures, and that is absolute morality. That is what they, they're the king, as you mentioned earlier. They're the king, so these are their laws. This is what they say goes, mm-hmm. and that's how we as believers have to live. Uh, we, so we base all of our actions based on that standard of absolute morality, and that's the difference between us and the world, mm-hmm. um, in, in my view. Now, so we have two kind of opposing expectations. We have the world being like, you know, rel- relative moralism, and, you know, we shouldn't be judgy, and, you know, we should be loving, and we should be kind, and, you know, God is not saying that we shouldn't be those things. You know? God also, uh, yeah, he, sh- he tells us we, sh- we don't have, we should be those things, mm-hmm. but we also need to as my pastor puts it, be salt with light in the world. The salt being, you know, we, we should not allow just sin to go unchecked mm-hmm. all around us, right? Like that, when you think of it, Paul tells us that the wages of sin are death. So when you just let sin go unchecked in people you care about lives, as a believer, you mm-hmm. are sentencing them to die. That's a, that's a strong statement there. It is a strong statement, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Uh, and so this idea of like, Tolerance, as you say, um, is is that good for the person ultimately? Like, if I think as a believer, because you know better, no. And yeah, what yeah. we're saying here in our episode is, as Christians, we need to be knowledgeable about what is right and wrong, and then stand for right. Yeah, we need to stand for right. We can't fall into this kind of ocean of waviness of just fluttering with whatever kind of the society or people go with. God isn't like that. Like we right. said in our in our opening, God is stable and He is the same every single day. Since the beginning of time, God has been the same. Yeah, and we and we don't have to be nasty about it. No, we don't have to be rude about it. We can stand for what we believe and be very polite. Yeah, and that is what we should do. Now, since we have kind of these opposing expectations, um, how do you handle kind of ensuring you don't misrepresent God? And I will say for me, especially for not coming off like harsh or mean, because right, what we're not supposed to do. Yeah, what we're not supposed to do. I will say I have a I, I, I have a strong personality. I'm a type A, as they would say. I am very straightforward and I can be aggressive, especially when I'm trying to achieve a goal or if I have something to accomplish, I know I can come off very aggressive. Um, my my personality is not one of super cuddly and <laughs> <laughs> super lovey-dovey. That's not my personality. I will say I've gotten better over the years. I have gotten a lot more um, understanding and empathetic over the years. You have to admit that out of the time you've known me. Yes, I, you have gotten you have gotten better. That is yes. true. Aven used to be a real uh, hard guy back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, see, that's what happens when you let the, let the Bible wash over you and just let God work on you. He puts you in situations that will break those mm-hmm. those problems down and i will say god has put me in different situations to break down those um hard strongholds or you know i'm, I'm i think my personality of being straightforward and aggressive 
is a part of the purpose that God has for me, but it has to be utilized in the right way. I think yeah. I was using it like like superpowers. I was using <laughs> it for evil. And now God is trying to shift that to be like, okay, now how do we use this for good? And I know I have struggled um, sometimes in making sure I don't misrepresent God in like how I come off to people. Because I don't want people to think, you know, me as a Christian, God is harsh and God is mean. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I just don't want to offend people and misrepresent God. And I know I used to kind of didn't like my personality. Like I, I didn't like that I was straightforward and aggressive because I always felt like I was not handling like situations right. I've always struggled with that. And I will say as time has gone on, one, I've accepted my personality. I think that's one thing that helped me. I accepted my personality that this is just how I am in the sense of I'm straightforward and aggressive. I'm a type A. That's my, but I have let God work on me on how to handle different situations in the right way. So kind of a mixture of both, but to teaching you like patience and mm-hmm. teaching you how to be maybe a little more diplomatic. Yes. 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 Be diplomatic and, in handling or in conversing with people. And then even when I would talk to people about Christ, sometimes I would come off harsh mm. and stuff. And God has worked on me to be straightforward and aggressive in what I believe, but to say it in a loving manner. So I've, I've had to, over the years, kind of struggle. Salt and, with light. Yeah. I've had to, I just struggled. I remember growing up, I struggled in trying to find that balance of representing God truly what I knew the Bible says. And then not at the same time, not trying to come off too lovey-dovey where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just trying to, I'm in a sense, yeah, I'm coddling them, but not telling them the kind of truth, truth of what the Bible says. I don't know if you've ever had those kind of struggles. Um, I, I, I understand. I know where you're coming from with this. Uh, I would say one other thing though. You said you don't want to offend people. So that's fine. But sometimes the word itself is just going to offend people. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about that, to be honest. You know, when you say that, I remember one time I had a friend who was, he was on his own. He was reading the Bible and he just essentially asked me, you know, like, what do, what do you believe on how a person, you know, gets to heaven? And this is one of those situations where it's kind of like, you know, when someone asks me specifically, like, how does one get to heaven? I take that very serious. Yeah. Um, and it so, is a serious question. And yeah. I said, as hard as a pill, it might be hard to swallow. Only those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior will make it in. And he says, he like kind of asked me a scenario question. He's like, are you telling me that if someone who's done wrong their whole life, like this murderer or someone, um, accepts Jesus, everything's washed away, and then they can go to heaven, and then someone who just didn't believe in him, could, who did everything morally right, or could go to hell? And I said, according to the Bible, if they have not accepted Christ as their Lord, they don't receive eternal life. Lost. And that is it's a hard it's a harsh sometimes it's a harsh statement to say but i've had to have those awkward moments where i kind of say the hard truth of what the bible says it's a harsh thing to say but you know what it's also comforting too in a way because christianity is the only world religion that teaches god came down to man to form a relationship with him and we don't ever have to have questions about our standing with god we're either with him or we're not mm-hmm. and we can know you know where are we going once we pass away from this earth, other world religions are not like this. Well, they're, you know, they're, they're they're trying to do works and they to try earn, to do works to yes. earn it. They do works. The scale is the good better than the bad. If so, I will go on. I believe that Islam is like this. Hinduism is like this. Buddhism is like this. 
Uh, but what is what is good? How much good is enough? I have to imagine that's got to be super stressful. It is super you stressful. You do good all your life, but one bad thing you do, and everybody does bad things, could ruin that. And you don't you don't know. You mm-hmm. don't know. Like I would think that has to be super super stressful. I agree. And actually, even though it was a hard truth. Truth sometimes can hurt your feelings, but truth is actually good for you. I mean, it's preferable to lies and certainly, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you've had that struggle of trying to, you know, make sure you don't misrepresent God and, you know, fit the world's expectation. Because at the same time, we're called to reach out to the world and we don't want to hurt their feelings and we don't want to, you know, come off as harsh. Yeah. Um, I try to be diplomatic when I am asked questions like this. Uh, but yeah, there's no avoiding that one. Somebody asks me, "How do you go to heaven?" I'll tell them, mm-hmm. "There's only one way." Yeah, um, they don't they don't necessarily like that. But you ask me, what is my struggle in trying to not misrepresent God? And I would tell you that it is probably trying to have grace and patience with those who have knowingly made bad choices, and then they come to me afterward for help managing the consequences. So you have problems giving people mercy and grace. It, it can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes. Because that's what God's all about, is it mercy is. and grace and forgiveness. It is. And, it, and, and I'll say, you know, normally, you know, when I am wronged personally, I don't have, typically have struggles in, like, forgiving people and showing them mercy. But it is people who maybe haven't wronged me personally, but they're people who I care about who have gone into intentional sin and done really bad things. Um, and then they want me to help them get out of the bad situation they find themselves in. So it's irritating to me when I have this person ask me about something and I'm like, you, you, know, you shouldn't do that. Like, this is not a good idea. And they're like, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want. And they go out and they do bad stuff. And they have bad things happen as a result. And then they come crying back and, and ask, can you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this terrible situation because I, I did this and I didn't listen to you and I'm so sorry. And yeah, I yeah, need yeah. your help. It's, it's like, I told you not to do that. <laughs> like, why do I have to help you out of this now? Like, this is so irritating. You should have just listened to me the first time. Um, but you know what? God did give us grace when we were in the midst of our evil. He helped us out of our sin and our death by sending Jesus. So I have to remind myself of this fact when I'm faced with that aforementioned situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, because if Jesus can have grace for me, then I need to have grace for others too. And so I, I just tell myself, you know what? Jesus died for me. It was, I'm sure really traumatic i mean it was a traumatic thing he didn't want to do that either um in matthew he says lord take this cup from me um which i think means jesus the man didn't want to die but he did it anyway so if he can if he can go through all these things to me and it's like well i can have patience and understanding for this other individual who needs help because i think you know like we said you know in our People expect us to be understanding because I think people are aware, you know, in there's, you know, the Bible talks about we're kind of aware of God. Even if you're not a believer, we kind of know in our spirits that God exists. There's kind of like a home beacon within man that beeps and, you know, calls out to God, even if you don't know it. And I think people in our world know that God is merciful and that is an aspect of God, that God is merciful and God is kind. And there is the aspect of God that God is um, steadfast on his laws and on his ways. And I, too, have struggled in that, in the balancing act of being steadfast and, you know, staying strong in the word of God and having understanding that people are people and that people are um, lost and people are in deception and that it is a blessing. And I and actually, we were talking about this offline. 
it is a blessing for believers or people to know what is wrong and what is right. Because some people don't honestly don't know that. And so God has really opened up my heart to be more empathetic to people who do things that are wrong and do things that are hurtful to me and hurtful to people I love and all that kind of stuff to be empathetic. Because I think the other aspect of the Christian either being too soft is that they, they're too hard. They can, yeah. be too, they can come off too hard, but you do not come off too hard. You have to make sure you are understanding that people, people are without knowledge. People don't have the knowledge of God's way and God's word and God's life. And they, they are doing right, you know, the wrong things because it's out of a lack of knowledge and just understanding that. And I guess, though, I just expect, I don't, I don't expect people to, like, generally help me when I do bad things and have bad things happen to me. Yeah. Like, and I, I guess that's just the thing. But you know what? Um, I've made mistakes, too. And um, I am glad that the people who cared for me uh, were... Uh, well, they didn't get rid of me when they found out. Okay. Some of those stupid things that I was doing when I was younger. So but you receive mercy, so you have to give out mercy. So yes. another characteristics that we need to manifest being a 21st century Christian is the fact that we are going to have to learn how to be steadfast and unrelenting in our faith walk and as Christians, being steadfast and unrelenting and maintaining ourselves in the 21st century as believers. Now, how do you live up to God's expectations? We know we've already gone over that. The world has their own expectations, which isn't necessarily right because it's not in alignment with God's word. So we live for Christ because the Bible says we live for him. So how do we live up for God's expectations in the 21st century? I mean, as you mentioned at the beginning of this show, knowledge is really important. So I think the really important thing is to be in God's word every day. Um, that's a definitely a good idea. I think that we should read what God wants us as his people to know about what living for him means. And we should spend time with him in prayer, hopefully daily, and let his spirit guide us and fortify our own soul. And certainly it's uh, helped to me to be in prayer, and mm-hmm. particularly when things are rough that particular day. Um, and it's just rejuvenating, you know, because you're not alone and he's with you. Um, and I think it's important to surround yourself, especially in this day and age with fellow believers. And I'd highly encourage people there to find a church to be plugged in at. Uh, because when you don't have this fellowship around you, I think it's much more easy to be influenced by the world because you're like, oh, I got to resist, resist, resist. Unfortunately, everybody has a breaking point. We're just little fallen people. This is what happens. Uh, but when you have that community of fellow believers it's easier to resist this kind of temptation in the world trying to drag you down and make you conform or join them, right? Because you have support to help you. You have support. Uh, however, I would caution that today, sadly, there are some churches that do not follow the Word of God. Um, so I would say evaluate a church by hearing what is taught there and then cross-referencing that with what is taught in the Bible because the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible, so my pastor says. And decide whether that teaching is consistent with God's word. And if the answer is no, I wouldn't go to that church. I'd find another. And just there's a warning here in Revelation 3. You know, God says that there are lukewarm Christians, which I would find as Christians that are Christians in name, but not really in deed. And 
Jesus says, I'm about to spit them out of my mouth. Now, since you brought up so this we don't whole, want this to happen to us. Yes, we don't. Yeah, we don't want that. And since you brought up being cautious when you go to different churches and trying to align yourself with the church. I think this is what a, a problem we are facing now in the 21st century compared to the earlier church. That sure. everyone. Uh, well, they had some issues, too. Oh, yeah, actually. they did. No, that's they did. true. They did. We'll talk about them next week. Yeah. On, on, our, on our part two episode of this. But well, yeah. I would say there was much more unity then than there is now. Um, yes. Obviously, uh, different fractions and different um, confusion has crept in the church via the enemy, the devil. But this is where I said that a 21st century Christian has to be indiv- has to be independently dependent. Okay. So this <laughs> is where I came that. up with they have to be independently dependent. So you have to kind of have this independence of like thinking for yourself. You have to have this thing of I think for myself. Of course, you're reading in God's word and you are praying and you're seeking him, but you kind of have to have this thing of I'm seeking God on my own and I'm looking for his direction and I'm not going to take other people's opinion to define everything for me. But at the same time, the Bible tells us to be associated with a pastor and be under a pastor, which you should do. I, I will never come against that, because especially in today's world, a lot of people in today's world tell you that you don't need to go to church, you don't need to be affiliated with a church or anything like that. But at the same time, you have to be cautious with some Christians that you run into, because they will give you wrong information and wrong things. So you have to be independently active. Well, these are people who say they're Christians, yes. but maybe not. Or just they don't have or the knowledge. Confused. Not everything is so cut and dry. They sometimes just don't have the knowledge. I mean, yeah. I give them the benefit of the doubt. They might not just have the knowledge. They might be Christians in heart and everything, but you know, they just haven't gotten to that chapter yet. Mm-hmm. So it could be that as well. Or they could, like you said, be Christian in name, but not in action and not in their faith walk. So this is why I say kind of have to have that independence, but yet dependent at the same time, because God does say to be connected with the faith and with the body of Christ. But at the same time, you have to have an individual thought and an individual connection with God yourself to double check with everything. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking more of you're independently in the word, but dependent on where God leads you Mm -hmm. when you said this originally. But no, I think I agree. And and it's uh, basically an extension of the point where, you know, you want to assess what is a church teaching? What is a pastor teaching? Does it actually line up with what I'm reading in scripture? Because ultimately scripture is where we should be coming from. Yeah. Uh, and if a, if a church and a pastor is not teaching the word, uh, we should not be a part of that, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, um, let's do a throwback. You know, back in the day, Alex, was, Alex and I were in college, and we were looking at different Christian youth groups. Uh, uh, I remember this. To join into. I think it was your idea. I don't know if it was my idea. I feel like it was yours. <laughs> I roped you in. Yeah, because that doesn't really seem like my personality. But anyways. This, uh, is, this is right after I became a believer by the way, too. Yeah, so. he, he was trying to be connected in it, so he wrote me in to, um, yeah. to uh, give you support. So I remember we went to one group where it was like maybe 200. It was like a lot of people in this one Christian group. Um, but it was like a lot of them. But anyways, I remember they broke us up in different segments or different you know smaller circles. And just talking with them who are Christians, and some of them grew up in church just like me. They grew up in church since day one. And I remember this one girl just made the comment of like, you know, there, there's no hell and, you know, like, you know, everyone's going to go to heaven. So we shouldn't uh, stress. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't stress about, you know, make sure we follow these laws. And this isn't and that's dangerous because if you are a young Christian and you don't 
you know, have all the knowledge. Knowledge in God's word takes time to build up to. Yeah. And so that's dangerous because you can confuse a believer and give them wrong information. And so that's where I say you kind of have to be independent and solid on what you know to be right. And like I said, it's a blessing to have right information and for God to have given you right information because there's so many lies and so many deception things out there. And so if I didn't have that individual thought, who knows, like yeah. what I would have fell into. You can't yeah. be dependent on everyone else to feed you information. I agree. And so that's like, I remember, I just remember that. I remember sitting there with my mouth open, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and other people were just like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we shouldn't really stress out and we shouldn't really, you know, worry about, you know, the afterlife because we're all just going to come back to God. We're oh, from, no. they, one girl said, we're from God and we're all going to go back to God. And I'm just, I remember sitting there like, girl, do I have something to tell you? <laughs> so this is where I say we got to be careful. So that's what I, that, my thought process of being individually or independently dependent. So, and then also a characteristic of maintaining yourself of being a 21st century Christian is that you have to be bold and fear not about what people might do to you and not have that fear. Now it's, I, I agree with this, but it's much easier to say fear not, but it's harder to put into practice. So a plug, we discussed this in our first season in our fear series, but we'll revisit some of what we said here. So, God tells us many places, fear not, um, but in particular in Isaiah 41.10, he says, fear not, for I am with you. And he also tells us he has our best interests at heart in Jeremiah 29.11. And then in 2 Timothy 3, Paul warns that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Mm -hmm. It's a bleak state of affairs. Yeah. Uh, being a believer is not a cakewalk. It's not peace and it's not prosperity all the time, as many throughout the world can attest to today. Um, we in the West have so far been blessed to avoid really horrible physical persecutions. Uh, but I think barring a miracle, uh, unfortunately, I think our day is going to be coming. Yeah, I mean, we already know this because Jesus says in the end, you know, all nations, and when Jesus said all nations, he included all nations will hate you and they will come against you and stuff. I think right now in the United States, we're facing more of a social persecution. Yep. And I think people fear social persecution. Yeah. And so um, we're actually going to get into that for our next episode of more of them, how to handling those kind of challenges. But all I got to say is that we should not be afraid of facing any kind of ramification. And Jesus even said, if I receive this treatment, being the master or like the leader, what do you expect the followers to receive? Yeah. So I feel like as if when you're signing up as a Christian, you have to expect that and just be ready for it. You do. You do. Which, comes with, the, which comes with the characteristic of being unrelenting and unmovable. Persevering. And just, yeah, persevering through it all. So in Luke 21, 19, we are told that if we stand firm, we will win life. This is eternal life. Um, that Luke is describing here. So remember, we as believers are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this world. And so there are some people, I think, who expect, uh, believers, that they're going to see some kind of reward on earth mm -hmm. from God's blessings. But I don't, I've, I've prayed about this and thought about this and, and observed just around me. I don't, I don't know if this is always going to materialize. And I think we talked about this before on the show. Um, what I do think, however, because this is what God promises us, is that, he will reward us in heaven for blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. The Lord has promised to those who love him. That is what James 1.12 tells us. And then Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that therefore, 
Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is merely temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I know, I know what you're saying that we should, you know, look forward for heavenly blessings. I told you, I, I mentioned before, I'm, I'm an optimistic that on earth. I, I, I look forward to receiving some blessings here on earth, and I have hope for those things. And I think the difference between the two is that if you don't receive, if, if I don't receive them on earth, it's not going to dictate or move me from not doing what is right. Right. So I think that's where it kind of becomes the fine line of even if I don't receive it here on earth, I'm going to still keep doing what I know is right until until I get to heaven, and then I'll receive it then. I'm, God's not going to avoid it one way or another. I hope to receive some while I'm here on earth. Yeah, but and you might. You might. Mm-hmm. I, I never said you could. I, I just think it's important that we remember we are living for the kingdom, and the kingdom home is not here. It's it's in heaven. So True. It's just a, a reminder to everybody that it can, it can be easy to be caught up in this world yeah. and forget about this fact, but we should remember this. And, you know, well, I think... As you said, we face social persecution here. So some of us may lose our friends because of him. Some may lose family members, become estranged. Some may lose their employment for spreading the gospel. Some may, in other countries, lose their freedom. And some may even lose their lives for him. And it sounds fearful, but he's with us, so we should not give in to fear and deny his name. Uh, Because those of us who endure to the end will be welcomed into his open arms, and we will live with him forever. but those who fall away face a fate that is far worse than death, as oh, Hebrew ten twenty six tells us. For if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment, a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. I know we talked about it in our planning, but I really can't wait for us to get to it is understanding God's judicial system. I know we talked about it in our planning phase, but I can't wait to talk about it. But um, it's true. You know, there's consequences of when you don't follow God's way and you aren't obedient and stuff and you lose. I think it's hard. I think it's easy for a Christian to fall into that because they're so focused on everything else. But our focus should always be on Christ and that that's our reward. And, you know, a 21st century believer, we're facing a whole lot going on right now. And I think the main aspect that's most important is having that characteristic of being a knowledgeable believer. To me, that's the most important thing. There's so much confusion out there. I mean, we talked about it. People don't, Christians, some people who say they're Christians don't even believe in the devil, of who yeah. is in the Bible, of which it said, you know, deceive man. And there's so much confusion. Some people don't even believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and they say they're a Christian. There's so many confusing things out there, and we need to be knowledgeable in the Bible, and there's so much chaos and deception and all this stuff going on. And the part I want to end it with is on a happier note. I want to end it on a happier note, because it came to me, is that God has chosen us to be alive in this time period right now. Yes. That, to me, is something we all need to remember. I know there's a lot going on, and I know there's a lot of fear going on. There's a lot of hopelessness things that we see in our world going on. But God has chosen that you, me, our listeners, be alive right now in the 21st century and be active in his work now. You know, he could have put us in the 19th century, 10th century, or we could have been right there with the Apostle Paul. But God, in his infinite wisdom, said, Alex, your best time to be alive and to fulfill the purpose I have for you is in the 21st century right now in 2021. So don't be 
afraid of all the stuff that's going on right there. I think that's a very important thing to remember because I had to remind myself of that as well. Did not get swept away with all the stress and temptations that are going on. Yeah, and that is a good way to end this episode. Yes, we're going to end it on a happy note instead of this. The scary judgment. But I hope our listening audience has enjoyed listening to our episode, our part one episode on what is a 21st century Christian. Remember, we're the number one Christian podcast on earth and heaven's favorite podcasters. Stay tuned because next week we're going to continue the discussion on what is a 21st century Christian. So all of us back. <laughs>